our sermon series, brand new, starting off today, Love is a Verb. If you're going to put something on social media, hashtag is, love is a verb. And uh, if you'd like the notes of this sermon series, Pastor uh, Jim Wall is preaching it at Goldsboro this morning. Pastor Andrew Price is preaching it at our campus in Mount Olive today. And if you want our notes, and they'll all be a little bit different because one of the liberties that I've given to our pastors at other campuses is we don't copy each other, but we know what each other is going to be talking about, and then you make the sermon your own. So you might hear a little different approach to the same message from those guys. It won't be nearly as good as mine, but they'll, it'll be good. It'll be good. It might have something fresh in it. You know, you never know. So um, we want to make the sermon notes available to you, and we can do it through this email address right there. Make sure you put the date, put all the information you can to let us know which one you want, and we'll get the entire manuscript out to you. In this series, we're going to learn and we're going to be reminded, uh, learn some new things maybe, be reminded of things we already know. How many of you know that a whole lot of the preaching and teaching that we do in the church, especially for those who have been in church for a while, is a reminder of things you kind of already knew, but we um, try to make it fresh to you and we try to stir that up in you. And so um, we want you to learn new things. We hope you'll learn new things. But a lot of the teaching that you hear will be just to stir up what you've heard in your uh, life as a Christian. We're going to learn and be reminded of some very basic and very important areas of truth as we discuss the theme of love. And this series is going to challenge you. The most precious element of life in the world is love. Let me just give you a few scriptures. You'll see them on the screen here. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and that is going to be our text, 1 Corinthians 13. We'll focus in on verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is 1 Peter 4, 8, above all things we have 1 John 4, 8, God is Romans 13, 10, love is the fulfilling of the whole law, which means that when you love the way the Bible instructs you to love, when you love the way the Holy Spirit leads you to love and prompts you to love, when you love as the Holy Spirit instructs us in the Word of God, then you complete the law, the law, what the law has been after, what the, what the, the reason for the law, you complete that. Uh, in your life. Love is the best and clearest definition of God. Look at 1 John 4, 8 there in the list. God is love. The personification of the character of God is love. Love is the highest pinnacle of everything. Love is the supreme quality in life when it comes especially to aligning our life to the character of of who God is. But sadly, and this is the challenge of this sermon series, love, as urgent as it is, as important as it is, as divine as it is, is often missing even among God's own people, even among those who are in his church. And there's no better example of that than the church this letter is written to 1 Corinthians, the church at Corinth, 
in that church, let's just look at some qualities of the church at Corinth. It was a church that had a, a huge array of spiritual gifts functioning in that church. So that church was very charismatic. That church was very Pentecostal. Uh, many gifts operating in that church. A wealth of human teachers ranging all the way from Apostle Paul to Apollos and many others had come through that church as a result of the finest teaching in the world. They had heard it. They probably had, I'm sure, a strong grasp on doctrine, and doctrine is essential for reaching the lost, especially in a strategic city like Corinth. But with all that the Corinthians had going for them, Paul calls them out in chapter 13. Paul challenges them in chapter 13. He tells them that you are a zero when love is missing. He said, you might have all these gifts, you might have all these manifestations, you might have all this stuff going on. He said, but I'm telling you that without love, you are a zero. When love is missing, it equals nothing. Anything minus love equals zero. That's a good tweet right there. Anything minus love equals zero. You know, and we'll talk about it today, and I'm trying not to jump ahead in my sermon, but it's amazing all the things we emphasize and say, that's a strong church, and that quality is a strong church, and that signifies a strong church, and, and that denotes a strong church, and quite often in that list we leave love out. Paul points out to them here the absolute necessity and the urgency of love and that love is tragically absent within their community. He's telling them, guys, there's nothing more important than love and it's an area where you guys are weak. He's saying this to the Corinthian church. And isn't it strange when you think about it that as important as love is, it seems difficult for local churches, even in our day, to truly experience genuine love. I talk about this all the time and frequently bring it up when I'm preaching. As a matter of fact, this isn't even in my notes, but it, I think it's just so important right here to point out that Jesus said the way the unsaved world, the way the world who doesn't know me, one of the ways they're going to become attracted to me is when they look at you, my church, and see how you love and when they see how you love, they're going to go, that's different. That's, the world doesn't offer that, and they're going to, that's going to cause them to desire me. The original Greek word for love that is used throughout this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, is a Greek word that most of us know. If you're like me, you don't know a lot of Greek words, but this one most of us know, and it is that word agape. The word agape. Agape is the strongest word, the most powerful word. It is the loftiest word, the most defining word that expresses what God wants us to understand about love, about how to love. There have been many definitions of love written. Um, a lot of books have been written about love. I mean, go to Amazon.com and just put in books about love and then get ready to sit there the rest of the day. There are songs about love. The great Reverend Al Green tells us what love is. Amen? I love Al Green. Y'all know that. I mean, that's real. That's good music right there. 
to love you. To love you. There, there, there are songs about love. There are poems about love. You know, there, there are discussions about love. But when you've said it all and when you've read it all and when you've sung it all and when you've heard it all, you still haven't got it all about love until you've studied 1 Corinthians chapter 13, especially the four verses that we're going to be focusing in on because they are the most complete description of love ever written. The reason I say that is because this is God's definition of love. And more than a definition of love, really, when you study it, it's a description of love. It describes love in action. Have you ever noticed when you read the Bible, and there are many verses in the Bible about love, have you ever noticed that the Bible never defines love in abstract terms? It never describes love as an attitude or a feeling or a philosophy. Actually, God never defines love. He only describes love as an action because love is not abstract because love is not a feeling, not really even an attitude, we need to understand that it is an activity. Love is action. Love is a verb. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when Paul was writing about love, he said love is something that you describe with verbs because love is only love when it acts. Love is only love when it acts. Now, that's good for Twitter right there. Love is only love when action is involved. And to support that, I want to point out something that you wouldn't know unless you were aware of the Greek. In verses 4 through 7, Paul says love looks like this. And then he goes on in verses 4 through 7 to describe what God wants to see in our lives as Christians as it relates to love. The Corinthians had totally missed the boat because in all the flurry of activity in that church, and there was a lot, and in all the flurry of spiritual gifts operating and functioning in that church in Corinth, there was no love there. And so Paul stops in chapter 13, and I, I challenge you to, to always read the Word of God in context. And it's almost like Paul is just teaching, teaching, teaching them about so many things. And then it's like he takes a break from the focus he was on, and he goes into love. And he says, guys, I want you to understand that all the teaching I've given you and all the things I've said to you, and Paul was bringing correction into them because they were going way out of bounds with the, with the spiritual gifts and the manifestation of the gifts, Paul said, I want to tell you guys, if you don't have love, none of those things matter. Paul stops in chapter 13 to teach them. He's teaching them that love is an absolute essential quality. And he teaches them what that love looks like in the life of a believer. And Paul wants them to understand when he's teaching them about love that it's not optional. That love is not something you get to choose or reject. 
that no matter what other qualities the Corinthian church may possess without love, he tells them, you're a zero. Don't matter what else you do. Doesn't matter what other magnificent supernatural things may appear or may seem to appear or happen in your church. Without love, you're a zero. Here's the way he said it. Without love, you can make all the noise you want to make, and it's just you might as well take a spoon and a pan and just beat that pan. He said it's sounding brass or tinkling bronze and a clanging cymbal. He's saying without love, it doesn't matter what else you do. So let's look at this scripture today. And we'll begin uh, with, the, with the scriptures previous to the actual text of the sermon. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 and let's look at verses 1 through 3. So Paul says, and you can tell as, as he's addressing this, that, that, boy, they had been having some manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say this. We're not opposed to manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit manifest in the life of this church, and we're not against that. Here's what we need to understand, just what Paul is saying. Without love, those things really have no impact, and they don't matter. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... But do not have love. I have become as a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Guys, leave it right there just a minute. So he says, he says to them so powerfully here, I'm just making a noise. I, I, I've got all the church stuff going on, all the churchy stuff, all the spiritual stuff going on. He said, but, but when you guys are jealous and you guys are envious and, and you guys are backbiting and gossiping and you don't love one another and, and you have no love for those outside the church or you don't have the right kind of love or, or you pick and choose, he said, then that's not love. He said, and so all of these tongues of men and angels that you're speaking, you're just making a noise. Go to the next slide. If I have the gift of prophecy... How many of you know there's a gift of prophecy? He said, but if you've got the gift of prophecy and you know all mysteries, and you got all knowledge, if you, that's a gift of the Spirit. Prophecy is a gift of the Spirit. How many of you know there's faith that all of us ought to have, but then there's some people who have the gift of faith? He says, if you've got the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge, if you've got the gift of faith, so as to remove mountains but do not have love, zero. You're zero. Go on to the third verse. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor. You say, but I thought that was love. Not always. Sometimes it's, look what I'm giving. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, I'm like, come on, man. I'm going to be a martyr. Paul says you can even do that without love. He said you surrender your body to be burned but do not have love. It profits that person what? Nothing. Listen to this statement. Love plays the dominant role in all Christian behavior. Did you hear? I need you to get that. That is so simple. That is so simple that you might just let it go past you. Please don't. When you think about the dominant role of Christian behavior, what should it be? I'm telling you what Paul is saying here is it's love. 
above all these incredible, amazing manifestations of the Holy Spirit. He says, if you don't have love, you might as well get that pan out and get that metal spoon out and just start beating it because it has no effect. It has no effect. Love plays the dominant role in all Christian behavior. And where love is not present, the behavior ceases to be Christian. Love plays the dominant role in all Christian behavior. And where love is not present, the behavior ceases to be Christian. So in verse 4, Paul moves on, and that's going to be our text. We're going to get into that in just a minute. Paul moves on because here's what I think the Corinthians are thinking. And when I'm preparing a sermon, one of the things I do is try to figure out what you guys might be asking in your mind. And when I think about the Corinthians hearing those first three verses, I try to imagine what they might be thinking. And maybe they're thinking, hey, if love is so important, and if I can't do anything without love, and if we can't minister any gifts of the Spirit without love, and if, it, and if we're only useless, a noise without love, and if we're a big fat zero without love, then, hey, Paul, could you please, please tell us what love is? See, Al Green wasn't around then, so they... If we're to love this way, then please, Paul, tell us how. I think Paul knew that was going on in their mind. And so Paul answers, okay, here it is. And this is what we're going to deal with today and over the next four weeks. This series is going to be a little bit longer. It's going to be a six-week series. And then that, believe it or not, that's going to take us into our Easter series leading up to Easter. Is that not crazy? And so the Easter series is going to be called At the Cross. And we're going to talk about the attitudes that were at the cross. And we're going to ask you if you were there at the cross. Because you were and I was. And then on Easter Sunday, we're going to take you through the suffering of Jesus on the cross. In detail. From a Christian doctor's perspective, a physician's perspective. Um, description of the suffering of Jesus on the cross because we believe we need to be reminded. And can I ask you something? Is there a greater demonstration of love than our Savior hanging on the cross? Thank God that he not only taught it, he not only described it, he not only required it, but Jesus demonstrated the kind of love that is found here in the Word of God. So, in verse 4, here we go. Everybody ready? Everybody say, help me, Jesus. Because when I start off, I'm going to start off with patience. And I know you people. I've seen you cry and worship and become a different person in the parking lot. It's mostly the second service. Because I... I really kind of let y'all out a little earlier. I know that's why y'all are here, by the way. Y'all are like, it's really early, but he has to quit. Because there's another service. Everybody give me the yellow. Love is? Love is? It is not? And does not? And is not? Does not act? And I'll tell you what that means. Don't you worry. 
It does not, is not, does not take into account a wrong suffered. Hey, can we stop right there? Take into account a wrong suffered. Everybody say, help me. Jesus, could you need some help from Jesus on that one? Because I know, man, guy cuts you off in the park. You haven't even got off the property yet. That's what I'm saying. And you're like, Jump out of your car and you're like, all right, next slide. Love does not rejoice in, but rejoices with the love, bears all things, believes all things, come on, hopes all things, endures all things. Last slide. Is there another one? Oh, I see it. Oh, there's verse seven right there. Okay. Thanks. I was about to add to the word of God. Put, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Now, boys and girls, that is a description of love. Nothing abstract here. Maybe that word unbecomingly, but we'll clear that up for you. Nothing vague here. When you read these three verses, you only see love in terms of behavior. I love that. I love it. I love that he, he wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in a way that we can't look at that and go, man, I wish I knew what that meant. Man, it's so clear. It's behavior. How do you behave? How do you act? Paul describes love in this passage as being like the qualities of a light. I don't remember, I got to tell y'all, I, I was a terrible student in high school, <laughs> junior high, but there's, there are just certain things I remember, like cutting a frog open. I got that. I was like, man, this is fun, you know? <laughs> Who remembers that? Um, but I also remember in science class when the teacher got the prism out. Do you remember when the teacher got the little triangle piece of glass out? And then, and then she shone the light on, and then it just broke that light up into a bunch of different colors. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. So the Apostle Paul, it's like love is this beam of light. It hits the prism of God's Word, and then the prism divides that single beam into all kinds of colors. The Apostle Paul takes the concept of love. He shoots it into the prism of the Holy Spirit and it splatters the many different colors of love that are described to us in 1 Corinthians 13. And these colors paint a perfect picture of love. Love is action. Love is action. That great gospel singer Elvis. Let's have a little less talking, a little more action, baby. Amen? That's what it's talking about. Well, I don't know if that's what it's talking about, but that's what he said. <laughs> so in the next few weeks, we're going to look at these colors of love. Because it wouldn't be right to just hurry through this essential scripture, this essential, these essential qualities that every Christian and every church should possess. It's so important to me. It's so important to me that the bridge be known for its love. You say, well, pastor, I think we are. I think we're. 
But listen, the moment we think we are and the moment we're not being intentional about that and really sensitive about that, man, we're going to lose that. We're going to lose that quality. We're going to lose that characteristic. The goal of this series as we study through this short passage is this. Here's what I'm praying will happen. I pray that this truth about love will change me. It'll change me. And I I pray that the truth of what we're going to dig into in this word will change you. That it will manifest in our lifestyle. That it will transform us. I hope that we can envision a way of life for us that is wrapped up in this whole idea of agape love. I hope we learn that what we learn will make each of us behave differently than we do now. You know what? If if knowledge of the Word of God and times of prayer don't change your behavior, then it isn't getting in there, man. It's not being absorbed. You might be gathering a a head knowledge, and you might be really sharpening up your... um, speaking skills on how to pray more lofty than anybody else. But man, if it didn't change in your behavior, it's all about change lives. And when I talk about change lives, I'm not just talking about a lost person coming in here and giving their life to Jesus and it being changed that way. I want that. I desire that. And and we see that happen in the altars of our churches. and, And we praise God for that. But I'm talking about a constant change of your life, no matter where you are in your walk with God, no matter how... Uh, much of the Bible you may know or how long you've been in church or no matter if you hold the title of staff member at this church or you hold the title of pastor or you hold the title of elder. We have wonderful elders in or maybe you're a leader or a teacher in this church or maybe some other church or, or you're a, somebody told me today that uh, they had just gotten their master's degree in theology. That's awesome and I, I was proud of that person. Proud of, but you know what? All of that, all of that and it not changing our life, the way we think, the way we perceive, and the way we behave, then it's just knowledge. It's just gained knowledge. I've got to tell you guys that as I've been preparing this series, you all hear me say this all the time, but 1 Corinthians 13 has already had a profound effect on my life. I tell you, man, when you study 1 Corinthians 13, it'll change the way you treat your children. It'll change the way you treat your wife. And we laugh about it, but it'll change the way way you react in the parking lot, the way you react on the road, the way you react in your job. Amen? I mean, we laugh at that stuff, and sometimes I think we shouldn't laugh at it because it really reveals that we're not submitted to this supernatural love God wants for us. And I accept that for me as well. I pray this chapter will change us all over the next few weeks. And what's really important in this study is that you and I take the Word of God that's going to be taught in this place and we take the Word of God that not only I'm going to teach and the other pastors are going to teach, but the Word of God, this passage that you, I hope, will even study on your own and let God speak directly to you about it that you'll take your life and put it up against that word. That you'll take your attitude and put it up against the word of God and say, do I measure up? Where am I weak? Where am I struggling? 
We've got to allow the Word of God to evaluate us. We've got to allow the writer of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, to evaluate us. And again, ask the question, how do I measure up? You know, it doesn't appear when you read 1 Corinthians 13 and you start reading this list that we just went through. It doesn't appear that Paul puts these qualities of love in any particular order until you study them in relation to the Corinthian church. For instance, Paul says right out of the gate, love is very patient or love suffers long. In other words, love, when you have a, this agape, and, and I'm not going to get into the teaching of the details today, but I just want to mention this. It means that you put up with stuff from people who get on your nerves. That's the Pharaoh Hardison version. <laughs> Did y'all understand that? Y'all got that, didn't you? So everybody say, help me, Jesus. Love, listen, it suffers long. It's very patient. That's a slap in the face to the Corinthian church because they were totally impatient and intolerant. And then he says, love is being kind. And the Corinthian church was, was doing anything except being kind when you study them. And when he says love is not envious, it is this church that was filled with jealousy and filled with envy. I mean, if you go back and read the first part, uh, or read really all of chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, it's all about their jealousy. It's all about their envy. So the thing that matters most as we study this passage of Scripture is that we put our personal lives up against the description of love, God's definition, God's description, and that we allow the Holy Spirit to shine His light and let us see the ugly. Let us see the ugly. I, I got to tell you, um, you know, churches that really don't preach the, the raw, strong, unadulterated Word of God, I understand why people want to go to those churches. I really understand it. Because when you come to a church like this and we dig down like we're going to dig down into this, baby, it's, it's searchlight. Amen? I mean, it's the, it's the beam and, and it isn't me shining the light. It's him shining it on all of us because I see it in me. If you guys knew how much repenting I did during the, work, during the week so I could preach on Sunday, I don't even know if you'd keep letting me preach. Because I don't have this stuff down either. I'm learning it with you. And, I'm, and, and again, as I said earlier, I'm being reminded. It isn't that we don't know. It isn't that we're not aware. It isn't that we're going to hear and go, oh, I didn't know love was being patient. I didn't know that. Yes, you did. You knew that. But you've drifted from it. Amen? And we always drift in which direction? The wrong direction. We never drift in the right direction. We never wake up on a Monday morning and go, a better Christian. What happened? I'm, I'm stronger in the Lord. No, man, you know, because you're working on it every day. You're being intentional. You're going against the current every day. So the one thing that matters most, again, as we study this passage is that we put our lives up against the description of love, God's description, and we allow the Holy Spirit to shine His light. And man, when we see those places where we're where we're just not where we need to be, and then we say, God, I, I own this. 
I recognize this, God. I'm not treating Millie the way you told me to treat her, and I'm not treating my neighbor the way you told me to treat them, and I'm not treating somebody at church or somebody on my staff or somebody that I'm over in my, in my position on the flow chart. I'm not treating people right. I see it, God. I'm studying this, and it's bringing conviction. How many of you know we need a revival of old-time conviction in the church where we are reminded that, hey, as long as that's in my life, I'm not going to make progress. I'm not going to make progress. Um, when I was studying for this, I, I read this, and I wanted to just read it to you guys, and then I'm done. When Paul was painting this portrait of love, I believe Jesus was the one sitting for the portrait. I mean, if you see, if you see um, Paul as an artist and he's painting a picture of love, the person over here who's the object that he's looking at to paint that picture is Jesus. Jesus is our example. 1 Corinthians 13, ladies and gentlemen, is a description of the love of Jesus. Every one of these qualities we're going to discuss are revealed in the life of Christ in the Gospels. This is how God defines love. And the Word of God says, God is love. And the Word of God says, Christ is God. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, and one of the greatest things you can do to understand that love is to mix 1 Corinthians 13 as you're studying through this series with the four Gospels because that's where he did it. That's where he lived it. That's where he walked it out. Love. It's the key. It's the key. You know, I, I, um, I used to do this. I don't do it anymore, but... Uh, sermon type, you know, points on your sermons when you're preaching, seven keys to something. I got to tell you, man, when I say this is a key, it's not just a word I threw in. I'm telling you, what every dream of the bridge, every dream of your life, every dream you have for your children, for your family, for your life, every dream we have as a church, the key is that we love. Love is the key, man. Some of you are sitting here frustrated because you've been praying and maybe this hadn't happened or that hadn't happened or you're just frustrated about your life. Let me just ask you today to look at your love. Look at how you love. And you know what? When you let God begin to develop you in the love area, you're going to see some doors open in your life. You're going to see some dreams come true. You're going to see God show up in ways you've only dreamed of Him showing up. It's all about the love. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together, would you? Let me just pray over you today. And listen, I'm going to come down after we dismiss the service, prayer ministers are going to come. They'll, they'll minister to you in prayer. Staff who's available, they're going to come and pray with you. So, so if you don't have to rush out or you want us to pray with you about something in particular, we're glad to do that. Now, if you are 
kind of examining this whole church, God, Bible, Jesus thing, and you'd like to take some material home with you so you can continue your journey, right over here in the corner behind this cameraman is a table that's filled with material. We'll give that to you absolutely free. Maybe you are doing okay, but you want to share something with somebody you love or care about who is searching and you want to take them uh, some of that material, you can pick that up for them. If you're a first-time guest, we have a gift for you on the way out. We're just so glad you guys came today. Thank you for letting us take care of your kids so you could be in service. Man, you're going to love it today because people are going to be nicer in the parking lot than they've ever been. Lord Jesus, I want to love like you. I want to love like you. And I know that will always be something I'm striving for. I'm never going to love like you in this world. But I, I want to strive to love like you, Lord. And I'm so far from that. I'm so far away from that. I'm your child. I've been adopted into the family. But Lord, my love level is nowhere near you. But I want, I want you to teach me. I want you to convict me. I want you to challenge me. I want you to help me. Help me love Millie the way I ought to. Help me to love my friends and my neighbors. And help me to just have a spirit of love. That when I meet people, I have no idea who they are. Let them pick that up. Because when people see how we love, they will be attracted to you. I've got so much work that needs to be done in me in this area of love, Lord, and I make myself available to you in front of the church I serve. I will love like you, Jesus. And when I don't, bring on the conviction. Bring it on, Lord. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good, but I need it. If I'm ever going to move toward you, if I'm going to make progress in becoming like you, I welcome the conviction and challenging nature of the Holy Spirit into my life. Bless this series as we begin to go now into each one of these characteristics. Bless this series, Lord. Put your hand on it. Help me to teach the Word of God with balance and truth. Give me the words to say. You know the people who will hear this message. You know what they need. You know what I need. So give me the words to say in this series. I pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I love you guys. I really do. I love you guys. God bless you. Have a great day. Go Falcons. Go Patriots. See, we got division already.